Hey guys, welcome to Bone Nose Stuff. Uh, this is episode 36 with Sam Pogue, rhymes with Rogue. This guy's been around. He has worked with Onnit, a major company, uh, ties to Joe Rogan and, and uh, the that Austin, Texas community. He uh, mentions he helped Tim Ferriss set up his uh, home gym there when he moved out there. Very cool stuff. This guy... Uh, young guy that that knows a lot that's been and seen a lot uh we did have some connectivity issues as now he's up in uh the middle of washington somewhere (laughs) so the internet was not super strong uh so we just had to couldn't cut each other off which is a good thing uh so yeah check it out guys don't forget to like share subscribe to the podcast leave a review on itunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and uh, yeah, hope you enjoy it. I'd uh, love to hear any feedback you have about this episode, other episodes, folks you want to have on the show. If you want to come on and have a conversation, I am always open. Hope you guys have an awesome day and enjoy the chat. New York, unique New York. Here we are. We are live with Sam Pogue. Rhymes with Rogue, we just established. Uh, we are in a little bit of a delay, so I'm gonna. we might talk over each other a little bit, which I think is fine. It adds a little bit if you guys find it to be disruptive, jump away, go wherever you got to go, but that's fine. So Sam was in Boulder where I'm 10 minutes away from now. I just moved here. Uh, I think that was a little bit of where we touched off on. And um, yeah, tell us, tell us where you're at now and all that good stuff. Yeah. uh, So thank you so much for having me on. Bummed we can't grab that beer in Boulder, uh, especially as uh, maybe things are starting to open up a little bit more. (laughs) <laughs> I got my water. Uh, uh, and so, you know, I'm in back in Kelso, Washington right now, which is where I grew up, uh, which is right outside of Mount St. Helens um, in a real small town. Um, and uh, I'm back here to just uh, start setting up new life and doing some new projects and uh, reestablishing some new um, environments. Right. So I was in Boulder. I had moved uh, there from Austin, Texas. And in Boulder, I oversaw brand strategy at an app called True Coach, and they made software for personal trainers and coaches to deliver individualized coaching online. And so I was overseeing content strategy, brand strategy, uh, and we got acquired after a year of massive growth. And then we ran into COVID and just blew up even more. And uh, then as just like a lot of acquisitions and and, uh, differentiating ideas of how things should be done, I uh, was let go uh, after the acquisition. And so uh, I was, you know, started up my new my new company or my new project, which is called the Choice Point. We'll talk about more later. Um, and uh, as most of you can probably imagine, living in one of the more expensive cities in the world is not advantageous when you lose a salary. <clears throat> so I uh, moved back home uh, with my parents. We're also getting older, having the opportunity to spend more time with them as as I age and they age. You know, I'm 34 um, and they're in their 60s. And so, you know, life is short. Uh, you know, not to be more, look to mortality uh, during the show. Uh, but prior to being in Boulder, I was in Austin, Texas. Uh, and there I ended up uh, just randomly walking into a gym called On It, which is Joe DeFranco's supplement, or sorry, Joe DeFranco's uh, uh, gym. Uh, and they, he had partnered with On It, which is Joe Rogan's supplement company. And so I came on board as the very first member of the gym there. And then eventually coming on board to work there as like employee number 42. Uh, they were like a $30 million company then. Uh, we grew to over $90 million during my time there. I ended up coming on board to work there, overseas certifications, running uh, partnerships, bringing in partnerships with Exos, Equinox, Gold's Gym, UCLA, 
Uh, I trained a number of athletes, uh, notably guys like Jake Arrieta, Cy Young Award winner, World Series champion with the Cubs, uh, and uh, just got to be in a lot of spaces from, you know, getting to sit down for breakfast with Mike Boyle to going to dinner with Dre Spina to, uh, you know, in a meeting with Mark Verstegen and presenting at Eric Cressy's and, and you know, so... Uh, my career got to really take a really unique turn in on it in Austin and, and had this massive growth. And I owe a lot of my career uh, to those four years there just hustling. Uh, but prior to that, I was in Portland, Oregon, uh, where I was a personal trainer only by happenstance, right? I graduated college, the University of Portland in 2008. For those of you who are old enough to remember, it was uh, the financial recession was kicking off. And so it wasn't just hard to get a job in your field. It was hard to get a job in general. And so I ended up having to sell memberships at 24 Hour Fitness uh, as a job to uh, get by and uh, sold memberships, ended up getting into powerlifting, Olympic lifting, strongman competition, strong person, whatever the noun we're supposed to use, uh, competitions and uh, eventually leaving to go work at an action sports company, getting fired for not being pro enough, coming back to uh, Portland to um end up, you know, becoming a personal trainer and then, you know, taking off doing personal training because it's really just a sales gig. And, you know, it was just kind of this really unique history. Uh, going to school, thought it was going to work in sports marketing at Nike or at Adidas, uh, which are home based in Portland. Uh, and so for me now to look at getting forced into this fitness industry and forced into force, I say it like it was awful. Uh, <laughs> I had to learn how to work out. Uh, and, but like opened up all these unique opportunities and kind of like, you know, Bo and I were talking about before coming on was just how opportunities uh, see us. And he was curious if I was openly talking about tr the true coach and getting let go. And I thought how important it was for people to see that shit happens, right. From a multitude of different reasons. Right. I'm not ashamed to say hey, this is what happened. And, uh, and there's, you know, bad parts on both ends of that, but uh, I think it just comes across more authentic to be, to be that open with people. So um, it's been a really unique journey. Uh, I'm very blessed for it. I think I'm in a spot now to where I want to just really get back to a lot of coaches, not because I think that like, I'm better because I've taken this certain you haven't or well, whatever, but because um, I've got to just do have a very unique career. And now it's at a spot to where um here I find myself wanting to just share and how can I um, make the game easier because it's a hard game, right? Selling, like whether you're a Cairo, a PT, a trainer, selling sessions, selling services, looking like an authority to your peers, looking like a, a like a, um, someone that's got to figure it out to other coaches, right? Like and therapists, like it's a tough game and how many other career fields, and I don't know, I'm not trying to speak for anybody else, but like, I don't know if in accounting they do the same like pedigree of like going to get inserts and like established of who you work with as they do like in uh, these kind of settings as like coaching, you know? So, um, you know, on top of that, you have a lot of people who just, you know, like anything aren't gifted with the sales experience and the sales skills. And for me, as you can probably guess by my personality, it's something I'm fairly good at uh, and a, a role that people definitely don't necessarily come stock with. It's something they have to really learn. Uh, and so it's something I haven't had to learn. And so uh, it's just something I've kind of naturally had. So now it turns into how can I deliver this and give you an experience that helps you solve the pain point in your careers. Awesome. So, yeah, I didn't want to talk over uh, each other on the uh, on the delay, but that's that's great. And it reminds me a little bit of my career uh, getting my doctorate. And actually, I got my doctorate in 2008. So I'm a little ahead of you, a little older. 
you said you were 34 and aging. That made me feel great because I'm a little older, but you know, that's fine. Um, and yeah, I mean, I got to work for a celebrity, fly around with him on his private jet for a few months, help him get ready for surgery. Uh, being in New York City, where I was from, I got all these random opportunities that uh, you know I was really lucky to get. It eventually led me to Dubai, where I met my wife, and and you know then we were came back to New York, working this crazy personal training gym where it's like twenty thousand dollars a month to be a member and billionaires and celebrities and again like who cares um, <laughs> at the end of the day, right? So that's kind of I appreciate where where your journey learning about it, hearing about it. And then, yeah, like at the end of the day, like you said, what, what, what came up for me and I'll throw this back at you is, is, uh, you know, having that talent of sales is interesting. Cause now you're, you're trying to teach that to other people. So it's that kind of, uh, you know, great players, people who have that talent, can they turn that into something that they can share and breed with other people? Michael Jordan was not the best coach ever, right? People don't even realize he like tried his hand at coaching and he was a terrible coach. You can, we can argue again, yeah, everyone, everyone's going to say LeBron now, whatever Kobe, but, but yeah, Jordan, one of the best and, and to be a terrible coach, but that talent doesn't always translate. Larry Bird, same thing. Not a great coach. I think he did better than Jordan, but you know, so I, I guess the question I want to throw back to you is um, in terms of that, I, you can obviously speak from your own experience, but uh, having that talent, that natural sales talent, how do you find uh, producing systems and, or your, curriculum trying to say this is what's going on in my brain i want you to be able to do it because again sales is something i'm de is definitely not natural for me i try you know like i and and I've, I've read all the books of you know to sell is human and and that kind of thing and uh, at the end of the day if you don't know how to sell you know you're not going to make any money uh no matter how good your services are you know maybe there's some ways to survive there so yeah i guess the question comes back of uh did, did that make sense was there a question even in there i don't even know but otherwise i can reframe it yeah yeah <laughs> No, honestly, I struggled with it for a long time, like figuring out what it was, because I honestly didn't think there was something I maybe did differently. I think maybe I put myself in positions to to do it more often than others. Um, but, you know, so growing up, I grew up in a, a really rural town and, you know, I was adopted. And so I was the only like one of the only little Asian kids running around in a very predominantly Caucasian town, you know, high school football, rah, rah kind of town. And so growing up, it was like, man, when you're the, always the different looking one, you were kind of used to being the center of attention. Well, then you add in mom was a youth minister. So I was always in the youth group setting and, and hanging out with high schoolers and kids older than me. Uh, and then my grandpa was like a mailman for years. And so he just knew, and then a diking commissioner. So he just knew a lot of people in town. So very much like growing up, my childhood was a, childhood was a lot of like shaking hands and looking people in the eye and acting like a young gentleman and uh, polishing those skills. And so when you have a natural um, affinity for it and then it starts getting massaged really early and then to grow up in the church, reading at mass and being the altar boy, just doing things like that. Like it doesn't matter, right? Like I'll wear a white robe and have the priest hat on my thing, you know, like it, it doesn't embarrass me. I don't care that kids in my school are there, right? Like you're there at church too, right? Like I'm just up here doing the thing. It don't matter. And, but it gave me a lot of leadership skills growing up. And so as I got older, you know, I wasn't a good student. I wasn't good at school. I was just good at this, right? Like I caught, I think I did, what I did well early was um, growing up, I figured out that learning was to learn to comprehend less about memorizing. So early in my life, I probably wasn't set up to do a hard science major that was involved in a lot of like memorization. Uh, and thankfully, by the time I found exercise science and biology, kinesiology, I was a lifter. 
So it made a lot of sense, right? And I, growing up, I built a lot of like uh, tables and stuff as a kid in woodshop. So you learn about mechanical stress and progressive er, and overload, right? And leverage. And so like, it just became, oh, I already know how to, the adaptation, I need to build up that joint structure because it's not strong enough to handle the stress that it's about to endure. Like that makes sense. So going in and then powerlifting is like a raw experience in like adaptation. So for me getting into like, okay, I don't know if there was a unique experience that I had. It was just, I did it, right? I just, more people need more reps, go out and do it. And I read a book uh, by Vanessa Van Edwards, who's ironically from Portland and she used to train at the gym I used to train at. Uh, and her book is called Captivate and she has a great YouTube channel and she calls herself a recovering, her branding is a recovering awkward person. And so I just started pumping through her YouTube channel and like looking at some of her videos, getting 2 million views on some of these videos. And the video was like, how to not be awkward, what to say in a meeting, how to speak up in a, in a conference room full of people. And I'm like, I didn't know that was the thing, right? Like I didn't know that someone was in the room with me that was like, and this, you know, you can say it's ego, you can say it's self-awareness, whatever. But like, I was, I'm not thinking about you're scared to bring your idea up in the room. I'm going, holy crap, I got to get my idea in there. So that way we're running with it. Right. Cause I want to sell my idea. Right. But I very much come from being that like undersized kid that like had to scrap to like get my voice heard. So I wasn't like a little kid. Right. Like when you're in the youth group setting, when you're nine and you're with a bunch of like 18 year olds. And you're trying to not be the annoying little kid so that way you're not narking on the kids like who are like doing whatever in the corner, right? It's like you have to learn how to massage social environments. And so I think I just learned that really well. And watching Vanessa's channel, it became I need to systematize it. And then it wasn't, you know, I'm not the biggest systems person in that like because N equals one, right? Like, sure, I can say that here's a lot of best practices, but then I can also give you equally amounts of like, yeah, that doesn't work, <laughs> right? Like we can sit and say that like, anterior loading someone is going to be put them in a better position to squat nine times out of ten you know what i mean and like the tenth time you're like that person just can't figure it out <laughs> and you're like they just figure it out doing something different right and you're just like there's nothing to explain it so for me i always get caught up being like well it's principles right what are some actions because each person once again when you learn when you teach Man, we all know in the group of the room when you're teaching that there's people who are going to pick it up. There's people who just are never going to, they're just not getting it. People who are going to ask the same question all, all weekend or all class, right? And then the person who wants to make sure everybody knows that they could be in the room if they wanted to, right? There's that, there's, that's what a, a room is when you're at the front of it. And so to look, to watch how many people like to face to face interaction teaching and to watch faces and to get the like, oh, okay, that clicked. Right, that's a very different experience. So for me, what I started teaching was, well, what I got really good at was um, A, talking it in a way that like I sound fired up, right? So it became like, I, I had to start asking people like, hey, what do you think I do? Like my partner, Sayla, who I used to travel with all the time, um, mentors, people, I, I'm like, hey, what do I do differently that other people don't do well? And so they're like, oh, well, when you talk to someone, I think that you do a really good job making sure that you're paying attention to them. You're not on your phone. You're asking questions. You're clearly engaged, right? Uh, I do a good job with a follow-up game. Like I used to play a game early in my career. Like I'd reach out to someone every week to network. But like just little things like this. And then I picked up like talking with your hands, right? That was one. Uh, undulating your voice to reflect emotion and change, right? Like I talk like this and my voice is changing and I'm like really erratic. And 
people are like, wow, you're just really into this. I'm like, no, it's because I'm kind of a raw person. And if I give you a really monotone version, I sound like a dick, right? But if I give you like a lot of this action, you know, I'm kind of just being, it, it moves along differently. So yeah, man, it's like, it, it really had to, it starts by asking questions and it starts by like, what do I do to systematize? Um, and then it's getting people, I think the rule of teaching is how do you, you show people what's possible. You give them some principles, some tools that they might be able to use, and then you have to put them in a position to do it. So a lot of times in my coaching workshops that I teach, uh, especially when it's on the business side, and especially in the online world, is storytelling, right? And if you're familiar with the concept, sounds like you read quite a bit, a hero's journey, right? And the story arc. And so, but like getting people to know how to do their own. And not because you're gonna monologue SNL style to every single person you meet and here's who I am and I've got 20 minutes and this is why you should believe in me. But you getting really good at telling your own story to know why you're exactly in this space right here, like how you became Dr. Bo and not Bo the dentist or Bo the optometrist or Bo the lawyer is very unique. And there's very unique perspective lessons in there that probably are going to be the thing that hits. I think we all have to remember at the end of the day, if you're a coach or therapist, we're a service-based industry and we're trying to sell our services to other people in, in some fashion. And there's 8 billion people in the world. We don't need to be for everyone. We only need to be for a handful of people. So finding commonalities with people is really the linchpin of dysfunction as it relates to connection, right? And connect and building an authentic connection. So if we're teaching people how to be really good at this, it really just became uh, I know I'm getting long on it, but it's to teach people how to tell their own story, right? And if you know your own story, you know where, you know, as you as Dr. Bo and whatever your injuries or your past has been, right? The athlete that was you, the person that was you, you can look across the gym at any gym you go into and you're like, you know, you see him immediately. You're like, oh, that was me like seven years ago, 10 years ago, nine years ago, 20 years Like, oh, you're overworking this. You're doing this. Oh, you're probably feeling this. You're like, I, you, know, you just know right to the person that struggles with body dysmorphia and their relationship with food you can walk in the globo gym and see the person on the stair climber or the treadmill that's there every single day at the same time doing the same thing and you know what i mean and you're like i, I was that person i am you and how much better are you going to be at connecting with that person talking strength conditioning or whatever your field is yoga massage than trying to talk to someone that's not in your space right so that becomes, for me, it became storytelling was the way of getting people to understand, like, who are you just really good at talking to, right? You have someone that for whatever reason your voice resonates with, you just get along with, you have shared interests with, you have similar interests with, right? Like, it, you have to find a way. People are like, oh, they're always like, I don't like small talk. And it's like, well, we have to get past small talk. So, yeah, getting people, what's your story? Who are you good at talking to? Start using your hands. Change the way your voice goes. Um, and it the only way it happened was just by learning back and forth. <laughs> yeah. Cha -chas. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, I appreciate that. And I appreciate the rants and rambles and yeah, drink some water. I'm sure there's another one coming up after this next question. So get prepared for all that. Um, I did want to, for those listening, they won't be able to see this, but you said you're not a very systematized person. I'm going to call you on that because you have what looks like a few systems behind your head. Um, you have the everyday and I, your internet is a little funky, so I can see read, walk, write, create, move, connect, meditate, and gratitude. Awesome. Uh, I love that. I don't know what's on the post-its. I mean, that might be more of a calendar project that you're working on to help you keep motivated there. So yeah, I mean, 
is that something you, you check off each time? I'd love to hear your process on that kind of Tim Ferriss, you know, what's your morning routine thing, if you will. So go for it. Yeah. Uh, fun fact. I've actually got, I helped Tim Ferriss build his home gym in Austin, Texas. Mm. Uh, and so I got to meet him and it was a really cool experience. A really nice guy. <clears throat> so I am by nature naturally just a kind of a keep it top ahead uh, person. I've never been a note taker, right? Like I was a kid in college that would show, I didn't buy books. Uh, I just showed up to class. Not that I had great grades, right? But like I, I got through, <laughs> you know, for better, for worse. Uh, but I got everything out of it I needed to, right? Like four pointing in my undergrad wouldn't have given me a better experience than it did being the super social party thrower, right? So um, it may have changed the path differently, but you know, I was someone that went to the library to like socialize while everybody just happened to be there uh, instead of like sit down and study. So <clears throat> I've always been able to get by by being a heavy doer, put your head down and just work, go for it. And it's, uh, you know, when I became a trainer back in 2010, it was like, man, I had a 40 hour a week schedule in three months, you know, at 24 hour fitness. It was like, all right, this is, that wasn't that hard. Right. And it was like, okay. And you just, but for me, it was, okay, it, it became harder and harder to say no to clients. So it was like, oh, 5 a.m. on Monday to 8 p.m. on Monday. Oh, you do that every day of the week, right? And I blocked my workout time off, but everything else was free game because there was no reason for me to say no, right? I'm 26. Uh, I walk 10 blocks to work. Like, I don't have a reason to not take a client at 7 p.m., right? Like, I'm going to be either eating or going out. So me working is actually a net positive on multiple fronts, Right. So, uh, but then you would just end up working a ton. And then on it, uh, for those of you who are maybe know about me or familiar with my story, man, I was flying uh, 50 plus, plus flights a year, right? 100 nights in a hotel, 30 plus nights uh, in a row, multiple times in a row on the road. Um, and it was like, <clears throat> because, hey, when on it gives me, it gave me this opportunity to just travel the world and produce and be me, it was, no one else is ever going to give me this opportunity like this again. So I can say that, yeah, I went out in rainy street and partied in Austin for the weekend. Or I can say I went and took the, the VP of the NFL out uh, to dinner. Or I can say I went to Cleveland to work with some of the Cleveland Indians. Or I can say I flew to New York to work with Mark Fisher. Right. So, uh, you know what I mean? From a career standpoint, when I moved there very clearly from Portland to Austin, it was to start a, get a career going. And it was, I was always able just to insert more effort. Well, when I got the true coach, I switched from a heavy biz dev relationship teaching output role to a content built uh, building role. And I have a podcast called Fitness Breakroom, been interviewing people and just uh, having coaches tell their stories. Right. And I want people to know how Mike Bledsoe became Mike Bledsoe before he had barbell shrugged, you know, kind of thing. Uh, and it was like producing content, but then doing it for a job and for an app and a startup and like having to build a team and accelerate was, oh, I have to like get this thing going, but I also have to be the guy writing the articles for a little bit. So the only way I was able to really do it was pare down my time differently, right? Like sit down at a computer and actually go. Whereas like in my roles at Onnit, it was like, I could kind of like come sit down and do it for a little bit and then bounce out. And, Cause I wasn't, it wasn't deliverable based. It was output based. And so as I now embark more on entrepreneurship and doing my own stuff, mentorships, online coaching myself, uh, building, launching my own business, it was, I also realized that I'm 34 and single. And so uh, 
if for me, I, I have this energy right now to do this kind of stuff right now. I also have the time to do, I don't have kids that are running around my house. So I have time. So it's like, well, I, I have all the ambition and effort to want to go do the thing I can. But if I can also use this time to learn how to get good at using my time, right. To, Hey, let me learn how to get efficient with my time, time block that uh, be very mindful with my time, not sitting and scrolling Instagram for 30 minutes and getting lost and then trying to refigure out what your article is about, like sit down for two hours and get the article done. Right. And so I do, I, I love the, uh, what's it called? The paladromo, paladromo, I forget how it's called, but it's a, using an hour, a timer. Right. And so you just, you set this over and it's like, all right, you got 30 minutes, go, no distractions, hammer it. And then I got another little one that's like a five minute one, right? And take a five minute break and then reset. But then it kind of moved into like, okay, let me be better at like time blocking. All right, I'm going to work on this project at this time. And that way it gives you the feeling of, hey, I know I've worked on this. So, I, you know, it's, I've always been trying to get after that. Mark Fisher's a big mentor for me and a, and a huge inspirer of, of uh, career mentorship growth. But something I did was you see these uh, poster boards that are like the big sticky notes. And I call this planning time to plan. So we all have a million notes in our phone, a million cocktail napkins shoved in desk drawers and, you know, jean pockets and ideas, million dollar ideas, whatever. I sat, I sat down and I just poured a big ass pot of coffee and I called it planning time to plan. And I grabbed everything and I took every note and I put it on the poster board. And if I had it, I went and like strung it around my apartment. And so that way I could visually see like, oh, because I'd have the same idea like 17 times, let's just say. Or let's say it's like, I want to do a cookbook someday. And it's like, oh, these are all just multiple ideas for the cookbook. Okay. But to be able to see it all on one board and visualize it, the way I explain it to people is if you're a Harry Potter fan uh, and he goes, uh, uh, the thing where they, uh, he takes the thought out of his head and puts it in the bowl of water. Um, within then they can like look at the memory. Like that's how I look at it because then I can be working and I'm like, oh, you know, it'd be a dope idea. And then I look up and it's like, oh, hey, you've already thought of that. And I can just go right back to what I was doing. I don't get lost in this. I'll remember that, right? Like how many times have we all done that? So then it turned into Kanban systems of trying to do, to do doing done lists. And I'm not perfect at it, but it, at least it gives me something visual to look at and say, oh, here's where you're at. Uh, even if it's something I'm only updating every once in a while. So um, for me, it's just been a consistent visual exploration of finding ways that allow me to be me from a creativity, like um, like from 5 a.m. to 8 a.m. I don't, I just have write, create, work. And so like sometimes I want to read, I want to read for three hours. Sometimes I want to write for three hours. Sometimes I want to, so that period of time, like I just let myself have a whatever you feel as you get going or in coffee. But then like after my morning cardio, I'll, I'll like, all right, here's a you know, an hour window, sit the F down and hammer on a project you need to get done. And that's been really helpful, right? Because life happens, things happen, this gets distracted, a call, an email, yada, yada. But if I can get a couple of those bursts in or have those structured time, right? No one works 40 hours a week, right? Even if you're in the office. So if I know I'm getting at least three hours of effort time on these projects I really care about. Now, at least I'm not having the anxiety of like, oh my God, you're behind because you're not working on the things. I know I'm chipping away at it. I may not be having where I want it to be, but at least it's somewhat organized and it's ready to go for me to put into because it's easy to put into. Love it. Love it. I was just uh, looking at my crazy notes here of, of same, same stacks of papers. And I actually have this productivity planner and uh, I've had it for about a couple of years. And other than putting my name in it, maybe it's completely blank. So planning, productivity, not the best. Mm -hmm. I just did a post actually on my Instagram about 10 minutes 
of like I put it, I set the timer. I'm like, I'm going to read for 10 minutes. I needed to do that to set the timer to be like, this is what I'm focusing on for the 10 minutes. So totally, I, I, I appreciate again, where you're coming from with a lot of that. And uh, again, I think it's the, you know, that eight. And I had a, I had a guy on a few podcasts ago, Adam Caratini. He's the head coach down in uh, Orlando at Eat the Frog Fitness. And uh, he actually shared his story of being having ADHD and that same concept of like being all over the place. And if he doesn't plan, he's going to, you know, struggle, struggle city and, and just not get anything done and or get like 1% of 20 different projects done. So uh, n- neither one is really great. So I want to jump over to your next project uh, that we were talking about, the Choice Point Values-Based Stress Solutions. I, I was telling you before, uh, and anyone who's been following my stuff uh, knows I talk a lot about stress management, sleep, recovery, mindset, all that fun stuff, how it all works together. Values-based uh, solutions is great, though. I want to hear how you define that and, and definitely dive into to that. I'm curious uh, if you've developed a little bit of that through True Coach with that OPEX team. I used to work with OPEX, who kind of, I think, originally developed uh, back when they were OPT, the True Coach model. By the way, were you there when it was FitBot? Because uh, I knew I knew it back then. But um, yeah, tell us about your that next project. Yeah, so I came over right at the switch of Fitbot to True Coach. Uh, they had just raised their first round of funding from Eric Rosa, who is a guy who just bought CrossFit. Uh, and so that that two million dollars seed fund—I don't know if I was supposed to say that line—was uh, uh, um, doesn't matter. Uh, is what allowed like me to get hired, right? And like hire a bunch of engineers to help build a platform that scaled us. Um, so no, my this was actually more spawned from on it. And so I mentioned earlier that you know I, I really wanted to work in baseball. I think I said that, but uh, at on it, uh, Curtis Hembroff was the head of Tenth Planet Jiu Jitsu, uh, and him and I were buddies. Obviously, being at on it, and he knew I was a big baseball fan. Like wanted to work in Major League Baseball, loved baseball, um, and you know, growing up in the night, we're '90s kids, right? What '90s kid didn't grow up watching like Gion Sanders fly from uh, New York to Atlanta for you know? A playoff game and a, a, a World Series, right? Or Ken Griffey Juniors or Michael Jordan years. Like you're like, oh my gosh, a new pair of Nikes every single day. Like that was the era for us, right? And so I always thought I'd be in the sports marketing era. Anyway, Curtis texted me one night. He's like, hey, some baseball player came to like roll jujitsu last night, and I was like, oh dope. Who was it? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> so I jumped on the gym management uh, software and I was like, oh. John Baker and John played for 12 years uh, with a multitude of number of teams, went to Cal Berkeley, was a catcher. And I just started tweeting him. I was like, hey, dude, saw you came to On It. Really bummed I missed you. Would have loved to catch up. Hey, hit me up next time. And we just started bullshitting. And uh, next thing you know, like he, he uh, so he was the minor league uh, coordinator for mental skills. And so he'd fly around to work with the different AAA and minor league teams and uh, support the, the staffs and the players. And, uh, and so we were able to just like hit it off and hang out and work out and just like become buddies. And, uh, you know, while we're working out and he's like, damn, dude, we're in Austin. Like, you know, you should be training, uh, Jake Arietta. He lives here in town. And I was like, yeah, dude, that's, that sounds pretty cool. And he's like, all right, hold on. And so he connects us via text. He's like, Hey Jake, this is Sam. Uh, you should be training with him. He lives in Austin. And he's like, Oh, okay. And then I was, I happened to be going to Chicago and Jake played for the Cubs at the time. Uh, and, uh, I was going to be in Chicago in a few weeks and I was like, Hey, I'm going to be in Chicago in two weeks. If you want to get lunch on this day, you guys have a home game. Uh, he's like, Oh yeah, let's meet here. And I was like, okay. Right. So anyway, Jake and I start, uh, becoming really close and getting to train him. And I have a lot to thank John for, uh, in, in that introduction. But John and I, you know, John went on to become the, 
um, mental skills, applied mental science coordinator for the Cubs, which is the in the dugout uh, mental science coordinator. Uh, he just finished his master's in performance psychology at Arizona State. And his work and his thesis in his master's program was stemmed heavy through the work of Dr. Stephen Hayes, who is out of University of Reno, who has um, a process called acceptance and commitment therapy. And it's values-based action, uh, values-based action alignment. And so what basically what that means is like looking at, if we're looking at therapy, and I'm not a therapist, so please forgive me if I butcher this, uh, cognitive therapy, uh, which is a very popular um, practice for, for uh, therapy practice. And uh, acceptance and commitment therapy stems off of that and is uh, pushing people into action, right? And so it's identifying your values and pushing you and incentivizing you into habit change, into making taking more action into those values. And so um, that was something really you know big for him as he was going through that process. And honestly, the process, the way this project started out was it was going to be a retreat for professional athletes to attend after they finished uh, playing to help them reintegrate back into civilian world. Because a lot of these people came from like, you know, uh, the Dominican at 16 to eight, you know, haven't, didn't go to high school, didn't go to college. They came over when they were 18, 16, somewhere there, or even the college guys, right? Like they may have went to college, left in the draft and didn't finish school, didn't really have a sport, uh, you know, a career path other than baseball or football or basketball. And so played a year or two in the show or the league and then are, you know, trying to work, get a job. And uh, or conversely, maybe someone who went did really well in their career uh, and is trying to eat, figure out retirement more effectively uh, than maybe pounding a case of beer and hitting the golf course every day. Uh, nothing that's bad in certain settings. Um, nothing I'm condoning that activity. But, you know, to be able to. Uh, create an environment for these uh, athletes to um, help them establish their next step, right? And I think it's really cool. I think we, we look up to athletes for, or I know I did as a kid, is being able to like provide for your family by doing the coolest thing ever, and that's playing a sport, right? Like that's pretty sweet, living out your dream doing that. And so for a lot of them, though, it's become so routine to like, oh, your cleats, what stadium you're at, what uniform to wear, what you're doing. And then when you get out is to establish – uh, new values and like, and, and for us, it wasn't like I don't care if it's into like smoking meat, cooking uh, food, to drawing, to graphic design. It doesn't matter, but helping you find something that you value to put your time into. And then obviously, COVID had a pretty big impact and and our conversations, and uh, it turned into like, hey, can this be an app? Uh, and so then we had started talking to uh, my buddy Seth, who uh, has a really decorated engineering background from like. Riot Games, EA Games, and Facebook, and Intel, HTC. Uh, and so then we kind of started putting together this idea around um, making this an app experience. And then we brought in Carlos Quinton, who uh, is John's best friend from baseball. And John, and Carlos went to Stanford and played eight years in the MLB, uh, was a two-time All-Star, uh, and just finishing up his MBA from University uh, or UCSD in San Diego. <coughs> so, excuse me. And so he got us <clears throat> through this, uh, into this accelerator program at the school. And so now we are launching this app that is going to be um, a digital experience. And sorry, we're still playing with how this gets elaborated. So it's not obviously hyper-polished. Uh, this digital experience of helping people identify their values in, through an app and then incentivizing them to uh, 
uh, interact with that app uh, or in, interact with those values, right? And then you game you get a gamification and a reward for doing it. So uh, if I'm someone that um, you know values uh, discipline and I uh, wake up at three in the morning every morning, right? That might be a picture of my clock, like Jocko style. But the difference is like, you know, we don't necessarily care about you posting it, like posting your virtues, like Instagram. Uh, we want you to uh, post your values and we want you to live in those values. So um, <clears throat> we're now working through the process of uh, <clears throat> how this experience is helping people with habit change, <clears throat> excuse me, and reduction of stress uh, through a mindfulness practice uh, and becoming aware of uh, not only the things that are, um, maybe causing disruptment in your life, but more so of leaning into the things that are uh, the, the green light goes. And so it's been a really amazing experience getting to go through uh, this random like opportunity to meet this guy, you know, who rolled jujitsu to now we're building this app uh, and to, you know, for me to look at uh, wanting to work in baseball. Now it's like, Holy crap. I got to, I get to work with like two baseball players and do this thing. Like I, I, I hate this. I don't, mean to sound like I'm bragging, but for me, it was like very like honoring. It's very cool. Um, and so now we're really, <clears throat> excuse me, to look at being able to um, deliver this. And, and our goal, you know, what we're looking at is helping people identify, you know, uh, the, the, their values, <sighs> helping people get them to, okay, here's where the issue is. Here's the problem. And here's where to actually go. Right. Like, the downfall with like mindfulness apps and like things like Headspace and Calm, and not that I'm not a pose, not that I'm not a supporter of mindfulness because I am in meditation, but you can't meditate your stress away. You can't meditate your problems away. They can help you cultivate mindfulness. They can help you deal with those emotions and that rise. But uh, you know, if you're looking at it from a baseball standing, you can't not meditate your way out of the box in Game Seven with a full count in the bottom of the ninth inning. Like that's stress, and you got to want to be there. And yes, there's different stresses, but uh, it's about helping you manage that stress so that way you can actually show up and, um, you know, be, be more fulfilled. Right. And that's really the game that we're looking at is habit change for fulfillment, for happiness, for stress relief. Um, and just trying to create a, a digital experience that helps people, uh, be successful. Yeah, man, that was an awesome pitch. Um, I'm excited to see what that app looks like and, Again, I end up working with my clients and having those conversations and that one-on-one kind of situation and that bandwidth is definitely not always there for for a trainer, for, again, a lot of different things we're trying to do. I don't want to do that, but I know it's necessary. So it's, again, I'm not a a psychotherapist. Um, I'm not, I try to refer some people toward my wife, but she specializes in sex and relationships. I, I know plenty of other good psychotherapist, mental health experts. But when it comes to me being my expertise is the human body, getting it to work better, getting it to move better, um, adding in the nutrition component, the um, that rest recovery component, being able to speak to those things is also huge for me. But yeah, it, it, I, I continue to look for resources that I can send people to and incorporate into my coaching where, again, because if they don't have that, like you're saying, um, they're just there's no point to keep working on their hip or their knee. Like we can address those you know, we're just kicking the can down the road. We, we're addressing those symptoms. And that's where my brand is actually fit care, where I got tired of people chasing symptoms. And I want to address fitness. And fitness includes your ability to deal with stress. And like you're saying, uh, ironically, I was listening to a podcast with Dan John earlier this morning when I was walking my dog. And uh, Dan John, for those who don't know, is one of the most prolific 
uh, authors in the in the fitness space, and also just uh, he's he's put out stuff that I think has uh, changed the game in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, I don't know, I don't know if you've if you've had the chance to interact with him. I'd love to you know get him on the podcast if anyone wants to set that up. But um, he's definitely one of those heroes out there. So, but he was talking about working with his athletes and again making sure they get you know recreating those scenarios like you're talking about batting in the bottom of the ninth with two two out on and bases loaded, all that stuff, team down by three. Um, and so you know, he recreates that. He wants to figure out if that's what we need to work on. You know, you should be able to hit that every single time. And, you know, when he, he was talking about his experience working out or, or competing and, you know, he, uh, the, the guy interviewing him was asking about his experience and did you know you were going to win? Is it that kind of thing, that kind of mental health or mental, uh, awareness around it? He said, as soon as I got there, like this was exactly what I had practiced. And, you know, it was the, I knew how to set up for that situation. So, Again, that's the thing is is people tend to not realize how impactful certain things like this can be for their day to day. Again, even if they have a nine to five, even if they're just working on being parents, if you can help manage those stress points, again, my saying is get 1% better every day. That includes, you know, being able to get your stress down a little bit. My whole theory of aging is that, you know, we're just getting this damage and damage and damage done to us and this inability to handle stress and different foods and different types of movements. And we just get worse unless we figure out how to stop that, all that damage, mitigate it. And again, this sounds like an awesome tool that, again, I've been looking for for a long time, um, short of, again, having the, these deep conversations with people on some different levels. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to, to see how, do you guys have a, a launch date and, and you want to talk about any of that component? Yeah, you know, we just finished the accelerator. Uh, so we are just about ready to launch the MVP uh, just for us to uh, have and start playing with a little bit beta testing. Uh, we don't have it. We've been kind of targeting like June being our like official like go to market launch raise money um, ramp time just because baseball season just started and John's life is uh, pretty much in the gutter right now for a few months. Um, and so, yeah, that's I mean. Uh, so there really isn't anything other than what like Seth and I, uh, the tech guy, put out on social. Uh, we'll talk about it, like stuff we do. But um, yeah, other than other than just kind of like staying attuned to what I'm doing, it's not really out yet. Talking about it, obviously. Um, but uh, yeah, we don't we don't have anything you can demo yet. But it's soon, right? Like it's uh, it's like it's hard, right? Because you get in that spot of well, I'm doing this thing, and then it's like, well, you know, we have a lot of people say they're doing a thing. Uh, but like, okay, you know, <laughs> trying to get to market. And so thankfully, you know, the position that we took was having a developer on the front end instead of like trying to have to go raise money to pay the developer to have the idea. Um, we were able to, you know, build something in-house out of the gate. So, um, you know, we, we've been moving around the wireframes. We played with some, you know, UI stuff, but, um, you know, not quite ready to open that up, but happy to share what I do. Awesome. Definitely looking forward to that, man. Um, and I think I heard you talk about this on another podcast, so I feel like it's fair game. It's something that we're going to go back to kind of that first uh, rant and rave that you had. I want to pull out of that. Um, you talked about – actually, I was just – because I was looking up before we, we chatted uh, one of your other podcasts you were a guest on. Um, and actually, your podcast – are you going to – I'll ask this also. Are you going to continue? Because I saw you the last episode of your podcast, The Fitness Break Room, was January 1st. Are you going to continue with that? Should, what should we look forward to that more or what's going on with that? Well, that was January 1st of last year. Uh, ah. <laughs> I believe the fitness break. Yeah. It's uh, you know, I tried to get it going last year. Um, 
and uh, my previous employer felt I was promoting myself too much, so I just kind of shut it down to stop the war, uh, if you will. Um, so, but now that I'm running a mentorship, right? So I'm just kicking off a mentorship, um, about to launch another one to another 15,000 coaches. Uh, and that'll be a little bit <clears throat> different angle, but I have incentive now to bring a fitness breaker back. Right. And maybe at a different scale before it was cool because I only traveled, right? Like that was kind of my play was interviews were only in person. Right. And I was all over the country all the time, three cities a week almost. Um, but now it, you know, I think I, I do want to bring it back. I don't have an official date. Like I'm trying to get a lot of projects off the ground. And, uh, as we can, we talked about the time management, it's not my, uh, forte in, in that, but yeah, fitness break room it is, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, it on its way of coming back. I'm trying to get all the assets to like put together to start launching it and just doing shows around cool stories of coaches and people. And, uh, but also maybe talking more about training and, and, uh, beyond, I think it's just tough for me, right? Like I'm not a podcast digester. I'll listen to a Rogan episode here and there, like Naval or Kevin Hart, like a few interesting episodes, but I'm not a, that's not how I digest content. Um, I'm usually a course person. So it's, uh, uh, and I don't mean that to sound snooty, right? Like I just meant like I would rather uh, do a course for a while than I would listen to podcasts for education. Um, so uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> no real answer on it, but yeah, fitness break room is coming back and it'll probably come back underneath my channel. I think the way it's going to happen is, uh, everything on, I'll put everything underneath my YouTube channel under myself and then have like a fitness break room as a show. I think I'm going to have a vlog, uh, that's just around like different stuff I'm doing. Um, I'm toying around with like, I, I've been really kind of playing with the idea of getting out of fitness entirely. I almost didn't jump back in after the true coach thing, uh, and do anything to do with it. And so I'm going to launch a separate podcast. That's a lot, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot more like lifestyle stuff. And that's everything from like kitchen literacy to like, um, how to grow food. Right. Like I live, you know, we live out in the country on five acres. My dad and I were talking about putting in a uh, micro hydro system, right. Putting two, 4,000 gallon drums of water in the back hill, but you know, pulling off a back reservoir and setting up our own off the grid power system around and solar. Right. So like, you know, I just got to grow up doing a lot of cool shit. So I'm thinking like that would be fun. Right. Like from how to grill a steak to how to set up a, a hydro system to like how to set up a greenhouse. Um, so yeah, you know what? Like, I don't, I don't know is just the long winded answer I, of me saying yes, maybe probably I need help. I don't know. It's <laughs> <laughs> one more, one more thing to add to the list. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I'll say I, I double checked on my phone there as we were talking, uh, July 1st of 2020 was your last episode. Um, and that's all right. So, uh, that, so you kind of touched around what I did want to ask you before I asked that question. So the real question I want to ask you is, and I'm doing the hand thing. I'm taking all the notes from you, talking with my hands. Um, <laughs> so the real question is, uh, yeah. So the real question is, you you touched on this, and again, the other podcast I saw you on of how do we get the bullshit out of the fitness space, the personal training space, between the diets, between the hey, personal trainer, you can make you know 17 figures in the next six days uh, and we'll get you 72 new clients in the next you know week. And, and again, all that stuff's out there and I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it is pretty bad to those extents. Is it be the change you want to see in the world, create these systems like you're doing with this stress app and be that change and affect more people and show them that you can do it the right way? Or do, is there any other like kick people in the teeth kind of thing? Because I do see it. I see it in physical therapy. I see it in chiropractic. The medical space again. That that's again where my brand is. Fit care. I just want to change. I would shake everyone 
and say, stop, you know, even people on Peloton, I'm like, can we, can we get to you and say, this is great that you're doing it, but I want to, you know, add these other elements to it. It's not a complete picture of fitness. So that's my quick rant. And I guess, is there a way to change and make it better? Can we use Joe Rogan with your connections to him and that platform to, <laughs> to, to get, I mean, I know he talks about it too. So yeah. What, how are we doing it? Man, I, I think this is how I ended up in like the behavior change space with John, right? And looking at, and if you guys check this book out, it's uh, it's called A Liberated Mind by Stephen Hayes. Um, and to really start looking at like, what's the linchpin of dysfunction, right? Like if we looked at it from a movement setting, all like, okay, you got back pain. Great. Well, I bet you got low. I bet you have poor hips. Yep. I bet your knees probably also don't feel good. Yep. I bet you probably have really crappy ankles. Yep. I bet you have weak feet. Yep. Hey, I bet you have a really crappy big, big toe. <laughs> You're like, yep. Right. So like, you know, how many things can we like, is the big toe the linchpin of dysfunction when it comes to movement, right? Like, all right, if we had to choose one thing for everybody to work on, is it the squat pattern or is it like giving everybody a big toe that works so they at least walk better? Cause we take 3000 steps instead of doing five squats, right? Like, and so it became the really difficult question of like, the needle doesn't really move. Uh, and I, I don't mean to sound like a pessimistic asshole, <clears throat> but being back home right now, my parents have traditional like satellite TV, which I haven't had in years, right? A lot of us have streaming. Um, we don't have, why my connection's uh, terrible is because we have a satellite internet, uh, which is not very good, um, instead of like a hotspot, which is okay, which we're switching back to. Um, but like the streaming thing, like they don't do, like they don't have, like it's new to them, novel the concept of it and, and, uh, Netflix having it. And so, uh, but to watch the ads and I'm like sitting and watching, like they'll watch CNN and I'm like, Holy crap. Okay. I, you just, like, I, I, I forgot about the eat this gummy twice a day that makes you burn fat and what, what, you know what I mean? You forget, you see those things because we work in the fitness space, not in the fat loss space, right? The fat loss, weight loss space is huge. My buddy, Kevin Kwan, guys, check him out. He's a great copywriter. Uh, him and I were bullshitting one day and just around like fat loss products. And we started like looking at like copy from like different fat loss ads. And I was like, oh, it's so not fitness, right? It's so not uh, hypertrophy overload. Like even the baseline NASM fresh out of the box trainer is still going to be lifting oriented, like resistance training oriented, right? Like that's so much more than the average uh, person that's not into fitness, right? Like I mentioned earlier, there's 8 billion people in the world. There's not 8 billion people who go that have gym memberships and personal trainers and, and exercise routines, right? If anything, like we are the, the small minority, right? It, a percentage is small. Um, and so we had to start, you know, we had to start looking at what are our battles and what are the wins. And, you know, when I remember, and this is the Dunning-Kruger effect and the Dunning-Kruger effect is, uh, when you're brand new at something, you think you're really good at it. And then you realize you get a little perspective and realize like, Oh, I'm not very good at it. Right. And so like fitness, like, Oh, I learned a couple things. I must know everything there is to know about fitness. And then you take a little bit more time and you're like, Oh shit, I don't know anything about fitness. Holy crap. Uh, and then you're old and salty like me. And, and you know, after 12 years and it's, Oh man. Okay. It gets, and so everything gets kind of chunked down, right? At first it was like, Mechanical stress, progressive overload. Everybody needs a barbell on their back and we need to get more strong because strength is going to help prevent them from deviating in positions. 
And then we moved into the mobility space. Like, everybody's rigid. We shouldn't, oh, their squat looks terrible. We shouldn't be overloading that much. Too much density, too much volume, not a much movement capacity, right? And and uh, Kelly Sarrett, obviously huge in that space and, and great guy in that space. And uh, But we really started looking at movement became a big conversation. Well, then, you know, the diet space has never changed, right? Keto, Atkins, Slim Fat, like, all the same things just repeated over and over and over. Right. So we can just and they live off the hype cycle. If you guys are, you know, we're talking about psychology, go look up the hype cycle. It's what supplements and weight loss drugs they live off of. Right. And so for us, it really comes down to. We had to get better at connecting with people, because as much as I would love for everybody to go find their three RM deadlift, because I want everybody to have a relationship with, the, with a barbell, not because I think everybody should go be a power lifter, but because there's so many great lessons that come from you like deadlifting twice a week, right? And just that skill set and just all the things that are going to encompass with like trying to make you a better deadlifter, right? Oh, we're going to work on your thoracolumbar mobility or juncture. So that way it actually gets into extension. So we can have a neutral spine. We're going to work on scapular retraction. We're going to work on hip extension, hip flexion, right? Like you're going to get all the things that like I would want from you in that, in that thing. Which, and I'm going to ask you to do something that challenges you. So there's good things from it. But then we have like, you look at like the group exercise world and you have like people who are not driven by uh, that style of fitness. And here's where I think the real problem is. The real problem is that when most people finish high school, they are expected to just somehow figure out fitness, right? I grew up in a town where a lot of people didn't go to college. And so I, you know, and it's definitely not as a fit town. We have a very fast food restaurant possible here. Um, but you know, going to college, even then, like I didn't know fitness, I played sports, but, and I did the weightlifting programs after high school. I couldn't have told you what a contralateral rear foot elevated split squat was or a dumbbell bench press was. I can tell you what curls were. I can tell you what like bench press was. I can tell you what squats were. I didn't like doing it because it hurt my back because it felt heavy on my back. Right. Uh, and so I did like a lot of jump roping and like sprinting and running stairs and bullshit like that. But for a lot of kids gym is the only real experience with formal exercise in people's lives. And unless you're a sport player, more or less in junior high, high school, gym probably sucks, right? Like for me, I played baseball. So when we played dodgeball in gym class, like I loved it. Like I could totally catch, but to guess that someone who does, doesn't have that skill set because they didn't play baseball because they didn't have parents that put them in that position that didn't, whatever that reason is, we're going back to parents and everything else but is a very different conversation. So it really came for me. It was like the relationship that people have with movement in high school and fitness. And there's not education there, right? Like if we really want to change the health and fitness industry, we need to teach uh, kitchen literacy from junior high, high school, like how to cook food, uh, maybe even grow food. Uh, I do think that micro economy or sorry, micro communities are coming back, but that's another, that's another topic, but at least cooking food. Right. The amount of like fun fact, I lived, I went to college and, and uh, well, private Catholic college and I had a, a roommate in senior year of college and Justin, bless your heart. I love you dearly. One of my closest friends <sighs> had a great MCAT score in medical school. He's an anesthesiologist and it's second semester of senior year of undergrad. And he looks at me and he grabs, you know, the dishwashing soap that comes in like it's individual wrap plastic bags, like the jet, it's got the tablet, right? He looks at me and goes, Hey, do I need to take this out of the plastic? Yep. Well, it's going to dissolve. Yep, it's soap. It should do that. Huh. Uh, and the jet dry ball on top. He's like, well, is that going to break the dishes? 
nope, that's supposed to dissolve too. He's like, oh, wow, huh, I didn't know that. I'm like, Justin, we're, you're a senior in college. <laughs> you're going to medical school, <laughs> right? Like, you don't know what, right? So, it, but like teaching, like these kids now, like you want someone to eat healthier. We're not designed to eat less. Nerv from our nervous system, right? We're designed to survive. So in the opportunity to have dense calories with little effort, we're wired to take that every time. We're the only animal in the world that has food abundance figured out. And I know not everybody has meals all the time. We can get, but like from an animal level, right? Imagine a lion in Africa looking at a hyena and saying, grabbing his phone, hey, dude, I feel like antelope today. Cool. A hyena runs over, gets him an antelope, <laughs> drops it right in front of him, and then he just takes off. Right, like what would animals look like if they had that opportunity of, of protein access, food access, right? Well, calories, right? That's a sacred thing to us. Protein is a sacred thing to us as a survival thing. So for us, we have to start improving kitchen literacy. We'd have to improve teaching people how to manage calories. I hate to make it only about calories in, calories out because I, it is true, but I think the negative effect of that is you get a lot of people who don't eat by only going the calories in, calories out effort, right? As opposed to using like a motivational interviewing technique or an abundance effort, like Precision Nutrition does a great job of like, hey, let's just get you adding things into your life. Let's get you adding a glass of water. Let's get you adding an extra uh, serving of protein, right? We have to debunk and defunk or demystify the ideology of perfection, of that we are a soft creature that is not adaptable. And I say that in we eating a, um, eating, I'm sorry for those of you who love Dave Asprey if you're in this wagon, but eating a French fry is not going to kill you, right? Is it going to make you feel the best tomorrow morning? Maybe, maybe not, I don't know. It could not affect you at all, right? But in terms of like, hey, we gotta, we, we're in this new world of animals called we have too much food and we have to like consciously eat less of it when it's around, right? Like how many experiments have they done where like, let's leave cookies on the table and how often people eat the cookies. The cookies always get eaten. They're never not going to get eaten, right? Given the opportunity to walk by and grab it. So we have to teach people how to have, it, it comes across now as discipline, but people have emotional ties to food. It's not casserole. It's grandma's casserole, right? I remember very much we went to brunch after, um, uh, there was a, a, you know, one of these big old brunches, right? Seafood buffet kind of things as a kid. It was like one of the coolest brunches ever as a kid. Like crab legs and so, um, omelet station. It's like a nine-year-old. You think it's the dopest thing ever. And I remember we were there with my whole family, my grandparents. And after my grandparent, uh, my uh, grandma died, grandpa died, uh, whoever it was, we went back as a family. And I was expecting it to be this like really great experience every time. And it was like kind of, a, the food was kind of crappy, right? It was really just let down. I was like, Wow. And it was such a lesson in like the experience trumps the actual thing, right? But for so much of us, food represents not the food. We don't see Pringles. We see, oh my God, I'm so stressed out in my life that that's a moment of feeling good, right? It's guaranteed dopamine, right? In a highly palatable sensation. So is it that we have like, as much as I would love to say that like I'm full paleo and I only eat berries and seeds and that's like the, the, the uh, virtue of that and saying like, I do that, whether it's because I, I ideology, I want to do it because I really think it's better for me 
or is it because I think I'm better than you or because I think it like it whatever, right? Like that is a thing that's cool to do. And I'm okay with you being that, but like the calorie balance is a thing if this is the goal. However, I'm also the person that says, you know what? Don't dog the dude that eats the pizza going into Planet Fitness every week, right? Because if you've never worked out before and you go to Planet Fitness three days a week and walk on the treadmill 30 minutes a day and you eat the pizza, right? I'm okay with that because you just did a new thing, which is walking on the treadmill. We have to change your expectations and say, well, I walk on the treadmill. I don't know why I'm not losing weight. It's like, okay, now we got to, we have to deal with hard shit now, right? So if we look at the term that Stephen Hayes uses, psychological flexibility, uh, I work a lot with uh, Dr. Mike T. Nelson. We can look at our metabolic flexibility, which is what his work is. But it's our body's ability to undulate and buffer between stress, going between a sympathetic and a parasympathetic drive, right? Whether that's a stressful moment or being able to downregulate. But also we can look at that from a fuel selection switching, right? And saying, okay, well, uh, if I'm chilling out, like I don't need high levels of glucose to m moderate me sitting around peeling onions, right? I don't know. I'm just making that up, yeah. right? Versus like, Shit, if I'm uh, like ch running from a hyena that's trying to eat my ass, right? Like, I for sure hope I'm able to pump through sugar and buffer lactate and run, <laughs> right? For longer than at least the last guy. <laughs> and so it becomes like, oh, but wait, why are those things hard? Well, because you're so stressed out. Your body's so overloaded with all this other sympathetic load from finances, relationships, jobs, um, your own relationship with your health and fitness, that everything is so overloaded. So when we start looking at it, the real game becomes managing expect expectations, helping you be successful because success drives success and get you to, hey, it's not about being paleo for the rest of your life. Is it better that you eat more grass-fed meat? Sure. Is it better if you just eat more protein? That's even better. Right. Like we got to get we got to get people to get rid of the notion that letting uh, great be the enemy of good. Right. We have to just be on the mission of doing better. Right. And that's up to us. That's up to us flipping the switch in our own head. It's like I got to deal with hard shit. Right. Like if I want to be able to play on the ground with my kids and it hurts to walk from my bathroom to my Barker lounger right now. I, sorry. Shit's going to be hard. I'm sorry. Right. And I, but there's a lot of resources out there to help you. It doesn't negate the fact that that journey isn't going to be hard for you, but that's the, the piece that we're in. However, we also have to change the relationship, right? Like we have to change how you feel about bro. Like it's not every trainer, like the amount of trainers I've heard that like, Oh my God, I had an eating disorder and I had this. And I go, it's all of them. It's every single person. No one has this game figured out. I go, there's 8 billion people in the world. Name me one that doesn't want to change one thing about the way their body looks and feels. Mr. Universe, Mrs. Olympia, Mr. Universe, I don't know, whoever, whoever wins the male and female version of those awards is getting off stage going, boy, I could have done this better, right? They're already looking at next year. I could be bigger. And you're like, wait, you're arguably the most symmetrically human in the world. <laughs> and you're bitching that you're not where you want to be, right? Like, but that's just the, the expectation of our industry, right? What we really have to get to, and this is why powerlifting and Olympic lifting, these strength sports are so popular, and CrossFit does a good job of getting people into it, is teaching people a movement practice, right? Because then fitness becomes not about punishment for the calories you ate. It doesn't become punishment for what you didn't do or how unsuccessful you were. It becomes, oh my God, I love to Olympic lift. I love to feel how powerful I feel under the bar. I love to go move my body. Oh, 
eating McDonald's the day before my meet actually is a really poor thing to do before a heavy squat dominant sport. Or it's like, you know what? I just crushed 9 million squats today. I am eating all the chicken nuggets in the world, right? But you can see how the empowerment, the voice and the message changes from when you find a movement practice. And this is where I'm like, I, like I've done a lot of educational certs, like animal flow. I'm a big animal flow uh, person, body weight, uh, rotational capacity and gymnastics. And that is awesome, right? Is it the most you, uh, complete system that's going to help someone lose what do all the things? No, it's a body weight system. It's got a lot of great attributes, but if I had to choose between someone adopting a movement system and maybe being 20 pounds overweight, but at least now moving five days a week and making different decisions about how they treat their body, that wins for me over, well, I just did this new workout routine from the magazine. I'm going to try to go paleo again. I'm going to try to go keto, right? I just got back from Costco and <laughs> it's amazing. And I don't know what it is, but I'm literally looking at a protein powder and it, what I bought before, it was like a different flavor. And I was just looking at the package and this person, not in good shape, <laughs> not clearly a fitness person, like an older, was like, that's such a good one. That's I think you should get that one. That one makes me feel really good. And I was just like, thank you. I really appreciate your input on that. She's like, you bet. And she just walked away. And I just thought about that for a minute around like, I could have been like, what the fuck? Why, do you, should you, why are you giving me health advice? Right? Which is a natural reaction for me to have. Like, I'm a 34-year-old trainer that does all this right Let, let's let's play the cards right or like hey that all that told me was that she's trying to do a protein shake because she thinks it's good for her right like because she was like 75 years old right like that's a huge win for me right if i have to break down a 75 year old woman trying to drink a protein shake to get more protein that's a huge win so changing expectations managing the relationship with success under helping educate people to tell them like hey it's just a process right like you might be helping people here but just because you worked with dr bow once and your ankle felt really good and you doesn't mean you can't get hurt again not because of anything other than like hey you just tripped right like and it's not your fault it doesn't make you a bad person or hell you you know how many people have lost the same 30 pounds 55 times right and that's becomes like and that's a conversation i have with all of my online clients like to have that and like hey it's okay Right. Because here's the thing with a coach. And I think there's sometimes sometimes people go into having a coach as like a prideful thing. Like I've got a trainer. They're going to really kick my ass. And you're like, all right, that's kind of cool. And I used to buy into that shit when I was a 24 year old. Right. Because that's how people wanted to do it. And if that's what gets you going and being excited about fitness, because you have some 24 year old kid who lifts a lot of weight, like is making you motivated. Dope, I'm fine. But it really is going to come down to like, hey, helping you make some better decisions. And you may never get under a barbell. I think changing the expectation for people to have those, right? And that's that's it, right? Is not having it's accepting what's there and not having expectations, right? But just sharing what you can and giving people the opportunity to be successful. Because you know, uh, check out a guy named Andrew Deutsch. Andrew has a gym in LA or had a gym in LA called Nerdstrong. Sorry, I know we're getting long, but Andrew uh, comes from being a creative director at a tech firm, and. He had a friend, he plays Dungeons and Dragons and loves like board games and, and fantasy worlds. And uh, he had a friend that he really wanted to get into fitness. And his friend, you know, do the whole lot of thing, which all of us know, right? As fitness people. And she so was like, hey, man, come over. We're going to play D&D, &D but we're going to work out first. All right. And Andrew, being a super creative dude, shout out Andrew Deutsch, big fan of yours. Uh, he like designs this cool ass workout, man. He's like, all right, man, we're going to go in the garage. And this guy's like a heavier person, not in shape. 
There's five goblins. To kill the goblins, you got to do five squats and five push-ups, right? After 25 minutes, five more goblins come out. And he created this super dope storyline experience. And so I ended up later teaching a workshop for on it at his gym in L.A., and, and Andrew's in Hollywood. He's in, in Studio City. So he had all, all these artists from like Marvel and Harry Potter and all like his gym was just all these beautiful flags and renditions because they have like the end of the workout was, the, you know, the finisher was uh, 50 squats, 50 med ball slams and 50 like what they call them superhero landings, but they're like split squats. Uh, but you're, you just put your fist down the ground and they're like, that's what kills Lord Voldemort. And I'm like, dope. You got you got 40 people who probably would never have a relationship to go to the gym to do 30 minutes, 60 minutes of continuous exercise, doing you know, progressive loading in a fun way that gets them excited to do it. Right. Like, so to watch him build a whole community and gym around that was like, it, it was amazing. And to teach a workshop there and watch his trainers, like, you know, like I mentioned, I come from being a hyper bro gym dude that like lifts weights and plays sports. And, you know, I'm super motivated by like not sucking. Right. Like, so I'm very much the dude, like I'll put five more pounds in the bar just to prove I can squat the most and whoever's sitting here lifting right now. Right. Like I'll very much be that dude. Right. Because I come from being an undersized athlete that hit puberty late that had to prove myself that I'm strong. Right. That's why I do it. Um, but to be able to uh, be in a position um, to help facilitate uh, an experience and help facilitate um how people interact with this journey that is their own uh, journey of fat loss, weight loss, right? I think it's super, super important for all of us. Uh, and to be able to demystify that, hey, there's a lot of things out there, right? Like it's, they're all, a lot of it's true, right? But we have to get good at dissecting it, right? Like that's why that NASM personal trainer at 24 hour fitness has more reach than you and I, because they're hustling different people than like, you and I are in our spaces, right? Like you're, you know, working more in a medical setting, setting or that kind of conversation. Uh, so it's like, you know, that person who's got a bum sciatica that's going into the ride the bike every day that's doing whatever exercise they saw on IG, like they're seeing it from those Equinox and those 24 hour type fitness trainers. So I think it's helping them, which is what I'm trying to do. It's on your side, helping clinicians as well as patients, understanding expectations around what's going to happen, what elicits change, right? Like, we're finally coming there because all the wearables and tech and measuring stress that more isn't better. Right. That was the old school method of like, well, you want to get better at shooting basketball? Exactly. Go shoot a hundred more free throws. And then now we're discovering like, Oh, actually more isn't better. Right. And like that, I mean, people can play the research game, but like I tell people, I go, you guys realize that like college athletes were like football players were GPS in their helmets and we're tracking how fast they run for how far. And they're pulled off the field at X amount because we're trying to predict injuries. And they're like, what? I go, yep. Because I know if that defensive back, I only want him running four sprints today at his total velocity because I want to keep him fresh for Saturday, not beating up the receiver on Wednesday, right? And it was like, that's the level of measurement. But like, that's for that person. For everyday people, we have to find ways of changing the conversation that makes them feel successful. They like, but that looks cool, right? Like, I should do GPS tracking. Like, no, you should walk 5,000 steps a day, drink more water, eat more protein, and move your body for 20 minutes a day. But that's too simplistic. Right. So it has to get marketed sexy because people don't want to like, you know what I mean? So that's why I think connecting to people on a level that gets them to like interact with, Hey, here's what the thing I'm really trying to do. And that's why I lean so much into teaching coaches how to tell their story because I'm not going to connect with a 13 year old girl that's struggling with the way she feels about her body and food. 
if I'm put in a situation to coach her and now I'm getting to be a male coach role model and play that dynamic with that teenage girl, that's a very different coaching experience though than me trying to connect with her on what's going on in, in her body and, and her feeling. You know what I mean? So someone who's been a challenged 13 year old girl with the way they feel about their body as a coach, and you don't have to be a 300 certs and 9,000 sessions, PhD exercise science to connect with that person. Right. And once again, we mentioned like that person probably doesn't need dynamic effort back squats and conjugate programming. Is it great for that coach to go learn what overload means and mechanical stress is and how to create adaptation for sure. But is that 13-year-old girl going to get a really good experience for a number of years, like goblet squatting, doing some basic band workouts and just developing a better relationship with themselves, right? Like that becomes the win. So it's hard because this influencer world has a lot of downfalls, but it has a lot of good things too. And so I think as professionals, all we can do is not worry about what other, like, and I'm really guilty of this. I get really pissy about watching what other people are doing and just like, oh my God, what kind of bullshit are you doing? Why? And then it's like, well, you're not putting out anything different. So there's nothing else to point it to, but you know what I mean? So I, I very much fall in like, you're not allowed to bitch about where things are unless you're willing to do something to help. Um, and so it really, it's tough, right? So I think that there's a number of things and everybody's journey is so different, right? Like some people, like I fell under the barbell at 21. Whereas some people don't fall into it till 30. Some people find group fitness or bodybuilding or whatever. Uh, and it doesn't really matter. Like, look at how many coaches, like how many beat up power lifters are now mobility or technique coaches now because like I lifted like an asshole for like the first nine years of my career. <laughs> and now I'm teaching you how to deadlift correctly because my shoulders hurt. Uh, and that's a lot of them, right? And they'll all tell you that. So um, I think we're finally coming full circle. I think it really just comes down to working on finding authentic connections uh, with people and helping people do something 1% better, right? Just one thing better. And if you're the person that helps them in that journey, right? Bo might be the person that helps you in your journey for this six years, 12 weeks, one day, one conversation, one podcast. Then it's me for a while. Like him and I have had those experiences with people, right? You have mentors that have carried you to here and then you're here and then you're here. And I think that that's how, but fitness is so dogmatic, right? It's everybody standing on a pillar saying they're wrong. I'm right. That sucks. That's wrong. And the way everything is marketed as everything you knew about exercise science and fat loss and muscle growth has been wrong until now. And it's like, no, you're just showing me a different angle of doing a bicep curl with a dumbbell, right? Like it's the same elbow flexion activity. However, what you are bringing up is a great point that, hey, most of us can't externally rotate our forearm out. So if you're stuck in this neutral position and you're doing a million curls without fully being able to move your elbow all the way into extension and flexion, overloading that joint tissue is probably going to feel like crap if you do a bunch of it and never rest it, right? Versus what if we were able to give you an elbow that rotates like an elbow should, that extends like an elbow should, and now we give you curl options. Your bicep's going to grow bigger. It's going to grow fuller. It's going to be in less pain. Your shoulder's going to feel better right? Like there's so many variables to it, but if we're all just bashing on, here's the thing that they're doing, they suck, or here's what I'm doing works, right? Like, I think that's been the one unique thing about, you know, my career wasn't set up to where I was trying to like go teach a cert or a workshop. It was really about, man, I'm taking all this education and it was just great. I love learning. I just love taking courses to learn. I was like, oh my God, I love to nerd out. And then to be like, Oh wow. Okay. This, there's not this out there, right? Like people are having a hard time missing this and then being like, well, I guess, I guess I can teach that better. or I can be in that position to teach that. So, um, 
you know, it's just, I, I, I wish there was a solid answer. I wish I could give you not a 20 minute answer on, uh, it's going to be this to fix things, but I would, I, I want to encourage people to start their own journey, right? Like, don't just stop at Dr. Bo or myself, like start hammering on the people that we follow, the information that we're following and start digging in, right? Like, it's unfortunate that fitness is something that we all have to learn. It's not like a car, right? Like think about learning how to work out. It's kind of like a really useful skill, right? Like if you learn, if you know how to work on your car, you know how to work on a piece of like appliance at your house, you can save yourself a lot of money over the years, right? Fitness, same way. Learn a lot of useful skills, but like, it's not, you don't have like knowing how to work on your car isn't necessarily going to make, save your life. It might in a certain setting, right? Whereas like everybody kind of has to learn how to do fitness now. Right. Like it's an unfortunate setting that we have, you have to learn how to manage your calories. You have to learn how to manage your energy. You have to learn how to manage your stress. You have to move uh, in a structured way because we don't do enough non-structured movement. Right. If we're looking at our RMR, thermic effective food, our neat activities, and then exercise, right? Like, well, we don't do neat and we eat really poor amounts of calories. So, and we don't exercise. So the only thing we have is our RMR and we're not adding more muscle. Right. So if we're looking at it from that level, um, just a lot of unique things that we have to help people do. So it's just going to take a lot of people giving different messages, uh, but it's going to take all of us coming together and not being dogmatic and saying, Hey, uh, uh, that's not right. Cause context is King, King and Queen. I don't know what you're saying about that thing. I don't know. Right. It, there's blatantly wrong information. Trust me, but right. Like don't not jumping down each other's throats because we don't know what something is. Right. And uh, that makes the industry better because I couldn't imagine being a consumer being so confused, right? Half the coaches are confused. Yes. Yes. You just rambled for <laughs> Did you breathe, man? Did you breathe? That was good. That was good. Um, I want to be respectful of your time. My wife's about to stab me if I don't get out of here too. So um, good, man. Uh, I'll just leave it as uh, there, there are so many things in there. I would have loved to, to jump in and and, uh, and, and everything, unfortunately, the internet's not really allowing us to do that, but that's okay. I think there was a lot of awesome stuff in there. And, um, yeah, let's, uh, before we jump off, let, let people know, uh, where they could find you, uh, at this point, if the best, I think it was, uh, sampogue.com, right? That was, uh, I looked around and that seemed to be the best place and the same on Instagram, but tell us where to go. Yeah, uh, S-P-O-G-U-E-8-6 on Instagram. I post pretty consistently there right now. I'm launching a mentorship on Sunday, March 7th. Weekly courses teaching you everything from exercise science, storytelling, building online products, content strategies, uh, and how to run an online business. Uh, and uh, I still have all the episodes of Fitness Breakroom if you want to go back and search where podcasts are. Uh, and sampogue.com is where everything else is. Dude, appreciate the energy, awesome. appreciate the time, appreciate what you're doing, helping people get better in one way or another. We're going to sign off. Uh, we'll talk to you all next time.